Welcome to the Red Words Podcast, where we pursue a personal relationship with God the Father and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Join us weekly as we deep dive into the dynamic and oftentimes curious Holy Spirit-inspired book of God's Word. Thank you for joining me today as we begin a new series exploring the book of Revelation. Right up front, I'm going to inform you that this book is God's final warning to humanity regarding his upcoming plans for planet Earth, and hearing God's mighty words will be difficult, even for some believers. Many will refuse to accept the information. I understand and recognize this is their prerogative. The faint of heart will cry out against the emotional torment revelation generates. So the question is, would it be better to say nothing? Or should beneficial information be shared? Because when it is shared, then at least people can accept it or not. Either way, they make an informed decision for themselves. Understand, too, that there will be people who recognize this book is the ultimate love letter from the creator of everything, a letter that concludes the final chapter of Earth so God can usher in his next age. More on that later. Right now, I want to introduce the book of Revelation by saying it is loaded with incredulous passages that boggle the mind. The message is direct and specific and quite literal, as is the rest of the Bible. So be careful not to view any part as some big fiction novel. Most of the passages in Revelation are spiritual in nature and transcend earthly understanding as God describes his capabilities and how they will affect the people living on earth. Anyone who struggles with basic earthly truths may find these spiritual ones nearly impossible to understand. And yet, our loving God still reveals them to the listener because his love and faithfulness to mankind is powerful enough to yank people from their unbelief. Lastly, Revelation is filled with God's wrath as he seeks vengeance and victory over his enemies. The events in this book are quite violent towards these people and clearly demonstrate the severe consequences toward anyone who harms God's beloved. Please understand why. Someday, God will stop world leaders from persecuting and killing his people. The middle and latter chapters of Revelation explain when and how God does this. Right now, though, the beginning of Revelation is God's greatest desire that people come to understand that his warnings are a way of showing how much he loves them and how much he wants to protect as many people as possible. Therefore, he promises his protection to anyone who listens and comes to believe. So let's deep dive into the book of Revelation to see how it unfolds. According to historians, Revelation was written in 96 AD. All but one of Jesus' disciples are dead. Only John remains, and he is in his 80s, banished on the Greek island of Patmos. John is the last man standing, so to speak, and something is not quite right about John's situation. Because while Jesus was on the cross, 
He called John and his mother Mary over to him and told John to take care of his mother. This was a surprise, and obviously the Lord had something on his mind, because Jesus had other brothers who easily could have cared for Mary. Now add to that the impossibility of John caring for her while he was banished on an island some 60 nautical miles from Ephesus, where Mary lived at the time. Hmm, doesn't make sense. And yet, there John was. Well, the answer lies in the beginning of Revelation. Jesus required John to be in complete isolation before he would reveal himself. Here is Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. The Revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show to his bondservants the things which must soon take place. And he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant John, who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Immediately, John is direct and specific about why revelation is necessary. He stresses that God wants his beloved to know his plans, John continues by explaining how Revelation originated and why John was chosen to write the book. John tells the reader that he was faithful and obedient in testifying to God's word and also to the testimony of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, while he was his disciple. Basically, when John is told to do something, he obeys by repeating it precisely as the Lord says. And then, in verse 3, something amazing happens. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy, and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. Wow, no other book in the Bible extends a blessing to the reader, which makes Revelation incredibly important. Time is marching towards God's final plan, and God himself is saying, Pay attention. Verses 4 and 5 begin John's salutation. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us, and released us from our sins by his blood. The first three chapters of Revelation are letters written to seven churches, and they contain the loving instructions and warnings that help people find their way to God. John expresses to the church who reads his letters, and subsequently to the rest of us, God's hope that only grace and peace will result from what he writes. John uses three common identifiers for God, identifiers that the receivers would know and understand as the great creator, he who is, who was, and who is to come. Then John introduces the reader to seven spirits who are before God's throne. Seven. Interesting. We'll see that number repeated throughout Revelation. So, Who are these seven spirits? We turn to Isaiah 11.2 to find out. As we do, keep in mind both the Lord Jesus and Holy Spirit are servants. Jesus is a servant king, and Holy Spirit is his helper. Both show believers how to best serve others. 
In this passage, Holy Spirit is described seven ways as the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of Wisdom, the Spirit of Understanding, the Spirit of Counsel, the Spirit of Power, the Spirit of Knowledge, and the Spirit of the Fear of the Lord, meaning deep respect and commitment. Finally, John extends greetings from Jesus, hence acknowledging the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit of the Trinity. Lastly, John shares the love of God and his Son toward anyone who listens or reads this passage. Verse 6 continues the salutation with some shocking information. And he has made us to be a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This verse is remarkable and demands the reader's attention because Jews know that Old Testament scripture is incredibly clear. Israeli kings and priests are two separate entities. They are never combined. They always come from two separate tribes. Except for one obscure single-sentence passage in Genesis 14, verse 18. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now he was a priest of God Most High. That's it. That's the verse. So how can John claim that Jesus is going to make his Jewish and Gentile believers to be both kings and priests who will rule and reign and serve his father? This is unprecedented. But we find the answer in Psalm 110, where the reader is allowed to eavesdrop on a private conversation between God the Father and his Son, as written by King David. As a side note, Psalm 110 is the only other Old Testament passage relating to King Melchizedek, but there are several New Testament references. Additionally, because the identifiers, the Lord and the Lord, are used for both God and his Son, I separate them into God and my Lord, meaning Jesus, to help the listener better understand this passage. Psalm 110 reads, God said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool under your feet. God will extend your powerful kingdom from Jerusalem. You will rule over your enemies. Your people willingly follow you when you go into battle. On the holy hills at sunrise, the dew of your youth belongs to you. God makes this promise and oath and will not revoke it. You are an eternal priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. O sovereign God, at your right hand he strikes down kings in the day he unleashes his anger. He executes judgment against the nations. He fills the valleys with corpses. He shatters their heads over the vast battlefield. From the stream along the road he drinks. Then he lifts up his head in victory. Whoa. God begins revelation with a bombshell, and he does not relent throughout the remainder of the book. This entire passage in Psalms foreshadows God's events in Revelation, where he takes vengeance against his enemies, and John is boldly stating that Jesus' believers will join him in battle and become like him as co-rulers and priests. But verse 7 is even more astonishing. 
Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. John clearly shows in these first six verses that Jesus will be returning to earth, and he will not arrive as a meek and humble servant. Next time, he comes down out of heaven on the clouds as the mighty king of kings. And every single person on earth will witness this event, along with the Roman soldiers who drove the nails through Jesus' hands and feet when they hung him on the cross. How is this possible? As I mentioned, God is revealing his powers to the world in this book. He can and will do whatever he chooses, and many of those things are far beyond our comprehension. But this passage indicates that God desires that dead people see his son when he returns to earth the second time. Jesus' physical return is that important to God. What is more impactful is the response earth dwellers have to his arrival. The nations of the earth will mourn. But why? Because they finally realize they chose the wrong side and their death is imminent. Of course, when Jesus comes the second time, there will be believers who rejoice. But John doesn't tell us about them until much later. This concludes the first episode of the Book of Revelation series. I fully understand that there is much to think about in these passages, so I'd like to pray over each listener as they consider what God has to say. Almighty Father, the Lord of our Lord, holy are you, God. Thank you, Father, for this beloved listener today. I ask you for a special blessing upon them while they remain quietly inside your presence and everlasting love. Father, I ask that your word travels deep within their heart and mind as they seek to understand this special book that reveals your plan for humanity. Lord, I pray that they hold fast to this present course to gain the knowledge and wisdom you provide. Help them learn, Father. Help them see. Provide them with your covering as they seek the truth, O God, and bring them peace and hope in who you are and what you've done for all mankind throughout time. Help them as they digest this incredible work of end-time warnings. And Abba, Father, our protector and provider, thank you for sending your Son to earth as a man to take on the sins of the world. Thank you that the Lord Jesus Christ died to redeem your beloved creation, died to reclaim what belongs to him, and in his power rose up out of that grave after taking back the keys to death and hell. Thank you that he is their sole owner now, and we are thankful that death and hell no longer have a grip on his followers. We know the Lord Jesus proved himself for all the world to see before returning home to sit in honor at your mighty right hand, where he remains until the day of his second coming. O God, I pray that you reveal to each listener today how much this death of love meant to you, that you, the God of the universe, sent as a sacrifice the one you love most dearly so that all humanity could be saved. Thank you, Father, for a love so deep and compassionate that we cannot fully comprehend.
and thank you, Lord Jesus, for your obedience and willingness to save us. None can truly fathom the price you paid. Your love endures forever and ever. Amen. And so, dear friends, take heed of the Holy Spirit-inspired Word of God today as you seek a deeper personal relationship with Him. Thank you for joining me, and know that the Lord Jesus Christ loves you very much, and so do we. Until next week, may you be richly blessed. Amen and amen.